Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Yeah, I'm glad you're happy. Me too. Well, happy 2022. Thrilled that uh, so many of you have found your way back into a house of worship. Uh, a few things that were left off the announcements, we had a little disconnect uh, we just, uh, Brandon does else do such a great job. But at the end of this month, we'll have the 50s, resume 50s plus fellowship. This month, uh, the 28th of January, uh, the 50s plus fellowship will meet at Johnny's on Northwest Expressway. It's a great time of fellowship and fun, so we encourage you to put that on your calendar. Men's breakfast will stay here at uh, in-house on Saturday, the 29th, 9 o'clock. And then uh, this is really, really important. We'll be having baptisms on Sunday, January 30th at 11 o'clock. Yeah, so anybody that you know needs to be baptized and held under, I mean baptized, uh, let us know and get them signed up at the information kiosk, all of these as you exit. Well, today I'm beginning a new series entitled The Anatomy of Grace. Uh, or grace anatomy, uh, just a little play on words. But there is a basically what the anatomy means. It's a study of the structure or internal workings of something, uh, and so it's the study in this case of of our spirit man and uh, the structure that lies within the framework of our our bodies. And uh, so often, especially this time of year. Uh, it's, it's that funky time of year when I, I ended up building a home gym, so I, I don't go to the gym I used to go to. It's now like something else. But every year I remember after the 20 years I was there that this time of year you had people signing up, signing their life away. I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to change the structure of my body, and everybody was all into that. And that's great. I, you know, I'm, I'm a health freak. I, I, uh, Red Bull is, is, uh, gives me wings to fly along with the Holy Spirit. And uh, I know that some of you hate it when I, that I drink Red Bull, so I do it just because I'm helping you grow in your faith. Ah, it's so good. Anyway. Um, so anyway, you know, and, and I think many times this time of year, people go, okay, it's a new year. Uh, it's like a clean slate, and I'm going to view things differently. I'm going to do things differently. And uh, you start writing down things you want to see happen, goals or dreams maybe that you've had. And that's all really, really wonderful. But how many of you know if, if, if you really are going to see those things happen, you're going to have to assemble them like you would something that comes from Amazon. You've got to have the tools. And I believe one of the greatest tools for assembling the, the life that we want is the tool of grace. Uh, it, it's, it's a very difficult thing to talk about uh, because there, there are two different views of grace. Religious people, uh, and, and when I say this, I, I believe it to be true, but oftentimes the split is religious people see grace as simply a tool of empowerment, and it is. 
In other words, when we have the grace of God, God gives us the grace to tolerate something, the grace to do something, the grace to speak about something. That's great. But then grace also, the other side of grace, which is the side that, that uh, I love so much, is the, the side that covers the sin or the wrongs in our lives. It, God doesn't turn his head, but, but he turns, if he does, he turns his head toward us to cover us. He's not ignoring the sin, but religious people love to punish us to the point of their satisfaction and then say, now I'll give you grace. I'll show you in just a moment that that's not how God works. God's not into the punishing. Now, there are consequences, natural consequences, but, but God put those things in motion years ago and said, if you do these things, this is what will happen. If you don't do these things, this is what. He said, look, this, this all plays out. I've given you an instruction manual. If, if you love, you're going to receive love. If you show grace, you're going to receive grace. If you obey me, you're going to be blessed. All of those things are set in motion, and God says, I love you no matter what, and I will empower you or give you the grace to do these things, and when you don't, I'll be there with the same grace to cover the things that you're not doing right. Now, it's not like things don't happen. Like I said, if you jump off a building, the law of gravity is going to take you down. It's a no-brainer. Some of us have fallen off of things. I used to climb telephone poles for a living, believe it or not. And uh, one, one Saturday, I was out in the country outside of Tulsa, way out at Prue Road, and, and uh, I was climbing a telephone pole. I was doing some work, and I had to climb up it on hooks. And I hit a guy wire going up or a copper ground wire going up. And uh, how many of you know that hooks don't go into those? I found that out real quick, and gravity took me down. And uh, fortunately, nobody was around to help me or laugh at me. It's kind of a catch-22, you know. It would have been great to have somebody there, but I would have had to suffer their abuse. So anyway, it, it hurt, but I realized the law of gravity was put in place. It wasn't God's fault. God, why didn't you let me flutter down, or why did you let me fall? It, it's, it's there. So those things are in place. So this is what makes grace so difficult is when somebody hurts, they usually want you to hurt at the same level they hurt. It's, 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 it's the fallen nature. If you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you back. Only I'm going to hurt you back last, and I'm going to hurt you more. And so this is why we need grace is because grace prevents us from responding in an inappropriate way to human failure. Now, I have real problems with people who get mad at people standing on corners begging for money. I get mad at people who criticize them because you don't know what they're going through. And I know some of you may be those people, so don't get mad at me that I get mad at you. And so, but the reality is, you don't know what those people have gone through. You can say, well, look at them. They, they just won't get a job or whatever. We don't know what their problem is. And it's not my job to judge that problem. It's my job to love that person. I may not give them any money, but there are times I do. There have been times I know I've wrestled with God at a stoplight. I don't want to do it. I don't want to. I don't want to. And I end up getting. So here, here's what I'm saying. Grace realizes you're not in control. I'm not in control. God is in control. That's what the grace of God does, empowers us to allow God to speak to us, to structure and do a work in us so that we do the right thing. Listen to this. God's grace has a spiritual anatomy. That is a structural framework. This framework consists of how the Scriptures use the word of word grace, especially in the New Testament, understanding the various Parts of grace and how they fit together create a whole is essential to grasp the meaning of the grace of God fully. 
So there's a framework inside us. And how many of you know there are times you are not called to engage someone or engage in a conversation because you don't have the grace to deal with it? I've had conversations I, this morning as I was up praying and yesterday studying, and I'm, I'm thinking of what this really meant to me. And about a year ago, I was having a conversation with a lady who was just not pleasant. And I'm looking at her husband sitting there, and I'm thinking, and you have to live with that? These are all my human thoughts, all right? These are human thoughts. I'm not saying they're right thoughts, but I had them. And, and I'm trying to have a conversation as gracefully as I can, and in my mind, I'm going, you are so stupid. I didn't say it out loud, but I thought it. And I realized this morning that God kind of brought it up to me. He said, you did not have the grace to have that conversation. I went, you're right. Why didn't you step in and tell her how wrong she was? But I realized that wasn't the job. My job was to listen, to love, and to leave. Some of you put that on your refrigerator. I'm going to listen. I'm on love, and then I'm out. Well, not like leave the house, you know, just kind of go out in the yard and scream at something else. But I realized that, that every time there's an opportunity in, in any situation, there's also going to be an obstacle or opposition. And you have to determine, is the opportunity are the opposition greater than the opportunity, or do you see the opportunity as greater than the opposition or the obstacle? Because you will quit if you don't. And there are people God has called you not to give up on, and there are people that God has told you to walk away from. I used to fight every fight I could fight. I thought every fight was mine, and that God was wanting me to set things right. I'm a type A, if you can't tell. Some of you are type C. You don't even get what I'm talking about. It's so sweet. Makes me wish I was more like you. Every now and then I look, I say, God, why was I born with this intensity in my life? Now, I'm getting better, and it has nothing to do with age. How I many of you know there are a lot of dumb old people? No. <laughs> you got really excited about that. You know, people say, well, you know, age comes, wisdom comes with age. No, no, there are a lot of people in their 90s as dumb as they were in their 20s. It comes because you choose to learn. You choose to change. You choose to trust God. You, you choose God over your own will. And you think that everybody needs your wisdom. They don't need it unless they want it. Because you can't make somebody listen to you and do what you're telling them. They have to want it. That's how come so many Christians are walking around cursed and not blessed is they got wisdom right here that they're not reading. They've got words right here they're not obeying. And because of that, they're experiencing what it looks like a fallen world experiences. It just simply means you're going to heaven. It, when you give your life to Jesus, it doesn't make you smart. <laughs> and the reason many people don't come to Christ is simply out of pride. I don't need any help. I don't need anybody. I don't need... And it's not like they really are mean. They, they just have so much pride that they can't say, I'm a sinner, I'm a mess, and there's no way I can go to heaven without God. And, you know, most people don't come to Jesus because, oh, he's so loving. I'm just in love with Jesus. No, they just don't want to go to hell. 
That was me. I'd love to tell y'all I got saved because I realized this great love of God. No, I grew up in a hellfire and brimstone church, and nobody was going to heaven like really nobody. We just got together to worship to act like there might be a little hope. I mean, I, I mean, my preacher knew more about hell than the devil himself. He could instruct the devil about hell because he preached about it every week. And, and you want to go to church. I'm going to church. I'm going to go get beat up again. I'm nothing but a worm. We never, I never heard a message on grace growing up. So I, didn't, I thought, well, God was just mad, and when he comes back, it ain't going to be pretty, so why do I want to go be with him? I mean, I'm just being honest with you because nobody talked about grace. Because we were so afraid if we talked about grace that people would go be stupid and sin. <laughs> they do it anyway. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Our humanity. So God's trying to restructure this framework in us, creating new spiritual anatomy that causes us to perceive him and his power differently than when we didn't know him. That's the reason I preach what I preach now. I mean, I, I'm not, you know, I like preaching sermons that you can go out of here and live by. You don't need to know what the Greek or Hebrew says. I mean, that's just trying to impress you, though. Every now and then I might throw something in there just for the sake of somebody who thinks I might know a little bit. But what all of us really want to know is, how do I deal with my knucklehead neighbor? I'll do a whole series on knucklehead neighbors someday. Because there's always one in the hood. And he's there for you. I always warn people when I move into a neighborhood, hell's getting ready to break loose. I'm moving in. There's going to be somebody here challenging my faith. How many of you know they're all, you're not going to grow unless you have challenges. Quit trying to avoid them. Quit saying, God, please take this away. No, God, make me stronger. Give me the grace to be stronger than the challenge. Give me grace to stay with this person I'm with. Give me the grace to deal with my kid. Instead, what we say is, God, I can't. We're counting the days till they graduate high school. You're out to house. Instead, say, God, give me the grace to deal with them as long as they're here. Wouldn't that be wonderful if you could smile all the time? When somebody's being stupid, you just sit there. I fly a lot. I got four million miles with American Airlines. So I've, I've been to airports all over the world. And, and I'm going to tell you something. The worst thing about 9-11, second only to the loss of lives, was the empowerment of people who can't read. When you put a tin badge on somebody who got their GED and say, you're in charge, the rest of us going to pay. I mean, so you go through one TSA pre-check or, uh, you know, a TSA check, and, 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 you know, then you go through another one, and they tell you to do something different than the last one. And then you go through another one, it's different. Take your shoes off, you got to move this, you got to move that out, you got to... So I went through one recently, and he said, you got to do this. I said, no, I, 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 yes, you do. And I, I didn't have the grace for that moment. I had to check myself. <laughs> I want to say, can I go through one of these scanners? Because the framework of my soul is fixing to mess up right now. Can it detect that? Because right now, I'm about ready to go off on your little tin badge. Now, I'm just being honest. I mean, you have those moments. If you had a pastor that never had these moments, you need to go to another church because they got these moments. And I looked, I said, well, that's not, oh, yeah, that's the way we've always done that. Maybe the way you did it, knucklehead, but they didn't do it that way in Oklahoma City. That's what I wanted to do, but I didn't. You'd have been proud to call me pastor. 
I was having 4th of July in my soul. Fireworks. (laughs) I needed grace, man. Because right there and then, I mean, these, I mean, I mean, so I, Barney Fife, that's all I could think of. Give him a bullet and give him a badge. You can tell I have issues that are unresolved at this moment, can't you? Glad you let me share them with you. Some of you will feel better about yourself just leaving knowing your pastor's worse than you. I, I just, I, but, but I didn't, I, I caught myself and I thought, God, give me grace. See, because some we don't know how to pray. And, and really, this is a grace thing. God, give me the grace to deal with these things. Give me the grace to be in this conversation. If you can't find the grace to be there and you have an opportunity not to be there, then don't be there. The lady I was talking about, I didn't have the grace to have the conversation. I was not anointed. So I'm sitting there this morning, and I'm going back, and I'm going, God, next time this happens, remind me. I don't have the grace to have this conversation. I mean, we're talking the, the whole vaccine thing. Those who are vaccinated hate those who aren't, and those who aren't hate those who are. It's the mark of the beast. And, you know, everybody's fighting over it. I'm like, I don't care if you're vaccinated or not. I like you. And see, by saying that, some of you all are mad at me, saying, you're the reason COVID sell around. Thank you for empowering me. I have so much power that I'm the reason it still exists. Stop. If somebody's not vaccinated, I mean, just privately say, you know, something that you would want to say to them, but don't say it to them. (laughs) I know it's something, die, die. Not that you would ever do that. But the reality is, people say, what do you think? I said, I don't care. You know what freedom is? Freedom means you get to do what you want to do. Freedom means I get to do what I want to do. So quit telling somebody they're wrong. I've known people who have died because of the vaccine. I know people who have died because they didn't have the vaccine. I've known people who've had the COVID three times and had the shot. I was just going to tell you all something. If your faith is in the government, it will fail. I'm going to live till I die, and when I die, you can't do anything to make me mad because I'm dead. Do you ever think about what that's like? you ever thought about dying like you're dead, but what's that like? I think about that regularly. What's that going to be like? You're not there. Nobody. Your critics aren't going to have any fun because you're not there. You're in heaven with Jesus looking down going, hmm. But but see, this is what I'm talking about. Grace says, I want you to know that your life is yours. God bought you with a price. You belong to him, and you and him sort that out. See, that's what grace does. Grace means I'm not going to try to control you. We have people who manipulate, control, because they want you to validate what they believe, and that's what I was actually doing in that conversation. I wanted this conversation. I wanted to validate what I believe, and, and I didn't catch myself till a year later. And I went, I won't have that conversation again because you're a knucklehead. Now, I wouldn't say that out loud, but I would think, you know, can't we have this conversation without you raising your voice? Have you ever noticed when you raise your voice that that's usually an indicator that you're probably not anointed for that conversation? <laughs> Everybody else knows it. You know, I, I used to be the, 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 the authority on that. I figure if you can't win with facts, win with decibels. 
I mean, that's pretty much the human way. If I can't beat you with truth or facts, I just don't do that anymore. I just look and smile and go, I'm not anointed to have this conversation. That's what you need to tell them. I don't have the grace for this conversation. And that will make them even more mad, which will help them grow. Okay. You can tell this is going to be a long month, isn't it? But you have to have grace for this month because this is what I'm on. Because this is, this is my heartbeat. Grace is my heartbeat. Because I've seen in the body of Christ a generation that has not seen grace. Beginning with my generation and then my kids' generation, they have not seen grace. We have not experienced grace. We think we have, but the minute we start to argue about what I'm saying, that tells you there is no grace. Because people who have grace, Jesus didn't sit around and argue with the woman at the well. He didn't argue with people. Do you ever notice that Jesus, he might have had a conversation, but he never argued. He just did what he was called to do, and people had to deal with it, which irritated people. Because when people, when you love and show grace, you want to make people mad, which you don't, but some of you do. Want to make people mad? Show grace and love. Because I'm telling you, you could tell if somebody's a works person, a legalist. If if you are nice to somebody, they don't think you ought to be nice to. They're going to let you know that you're being nice and you shouldn't be nice. How could you treat them that way? Look at them standing on the corner begging for money. Is that your business? I don't think so. It's not my business. That's what they're doing. And you know what? If you can do nothing else but pray for them, pray for them. I know you say, well, they could get a job. Everybody's hiring. Nobody wants to work. Well, you know what? Maybe they're making good money. (laughs) It's just a thought. Maybe you ought to try it sometime before you criticize it. Go get you a can and a vest and see how it works for you. You may never work again. You might be a millionaire just standing on the corner. Ding, 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 ding. They may be smarter than us. I'm, you see what I'm saying? If you think outside your little, little religious box that you've put yourself in and everybody else in, this is how you have grace. Well, I would never do what they've done. Oh, look out, oh, judgmental one. Because the measure you judge is going to be judged back to you. If somebody hurts you, and you don't want to hurt them back, you have a measure of grace that's pretty good. I want that kind of grace. I want, you know why I want it? Because I need it myself. So if I don't sow it, I don't grow it. You stand around and pray all you want, but until you drop seed in the ground, you don't have any need for water. If you're still getting mad at the same things in 2022 that you got mad at in 2021, you're in the same place you were in 2021. I don't want to get mad at the same things I got mad at in 2021. I don't want to deal with the same issues in 2022 that I dealt with in 2021. I want to know that the crow is going to grow. Yo, yo. I'm going back to when I had kids and Dr. Seuss. The framework I'll describe here consists of four distinct parts. God's nature, Jesus Christ, the Son, the operation of the Holy Spirit, and the human response. First, grace is God's very nature and character. That's who he is. In Exodus 34, 6, it says he is gracious, he's good, loving, and kind. 
Second, grace is the form in which God has revealed himself to save us. Jesus is God's grace revealed. John 1.17 says, grace came through Jesus Christ. His death, his life, his resurrection, and the ascension were a visible display of grace at work. Third, grace is the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. 1 Corinthians 15.10, Paul says, grace worked powerfully in him. What he called grace is the, in this verse is the power of the Holy Spirit. And that he who began a good work in us will bring it to completion on the day of the Christ Jesus. That's the human response. Is I'm believing that whatever God put in me will be brought to completion. And he's able to do more than he can think or imagine according to the power that's at work in me. My human response to human crises. We are in a world of crisis right now. And I'm not saying that to scare anybody, fear anybody. I'm just going to tell you something. This will play out. Where sin abounds, grace will abound more. We see tremendous differences in, in our government and leadership. And one day it's, you got to quarantine 14 days. And the next time it's five. And this virus does this and that. I'm going to tell you something, folks. They ain't nobody knows more about this than you do. And I know you're going to criticize me. They're, they're just shooting in the dark. This is like, like playing roulette. And the world is mad over it. I'm not going to die until I die. That makes sense? I thought it did. Now, the reason I say this is, is most of us learned fear. We learned a lot uh, uh, in life about living out of fear. Don't do this, don't do that. If you do this, instead of saying learning about life and faith. So, so we are programmed by fear. Don't go in the street. You'll get run over. Don't jump the fence. A dog will bite you. And all of those things are true, but think about it just for a moment. How many things were you told you could do versus how many things you were told you can't do? So we live our lives based on fear. For the most part, every decision we make. And it's always intriguing to me. I watched a guy jump out of an airplane without a parachute. Of course, there were others jumping out. But I thought, if he doesn't connect with that other one, he's going to be like a bug on a windshield. But I thought, I thought it was cool. You think, well, that's crazy. I thought, no, this guy's living life to the very end. And we don't know when that's going to be, and neither does he. But I, I admired him. I thought, this is how life ought to be. We live so hard and long. People are trying now to live longer. I don't care how long I live, but every day I live, I want it to count. That's where I'm at. I just want every day to count. This is the only day. This will never come around again. This is the only day I have. So don't you have tomorrow? I don't know. You know what? And then think about it. You don't breathe. You are breathed. When's the last time you woke up? No, I got to breathe. No, you're breathing. It just happens. Isn't that a weird thing to think about? You just wake up and you're breathing. How cool is that? It's not like, oh, I got to get up and breathe. Come on. No, you are breathed. You had nothing to do with it. And when you're not, you won't ever breathe again. <laughs> I'm profound today. But what I'm saying is this, is that we're not happy because we don't have something right now that we think we should have, wish we would have, have mistakes that we've made instead of realizing 
God's grace empowers us to overcome everything in our lives in the past and deal with people that are hard to deal with. This is called grace. Some of y'all, I need grace when I preach sometimes. I say things that I know you're not supposed to say in church, but I do. And I think you come back just to see if I'll wreck next week. But church for so long has been so prim and so proper and so perfect. And the world's going, we're not like that. And, and I, for some reason to me, this generation has grasped the fact that, that they know they're not perfect. My generation was expected to be. I mean, look at how parents dress their kids. Have you looked at some of the outfits you put your kids in? They ought to sue you. They're looking at you, what was I wearing? Why did I have that boof on? What was going on? We wanted them to look like us or like we wanted them to look or we wanted people to like them because we want to be liked and we're good parents. This generation is going, have you seen what these people wear? I mean, I mean, there was a day when, if, you know, the only one that had more fun was blondes and now it's purple, pink, green. I don't know how much fun they're having. <laughs> we just knew blondes had more fun. That, you know, nobody was naturally blonde, but they look cool. Now they all kinds of colors. you got to have grace just to deal with this generation. They come in, they got piercings everywhere. If they drink water, they leak. So look out, don't drink water on my sofa. You got more holes in your body than anybody could ever hope for. And I don't understand it. I really don't. But I have the grace now to deal with it. My dad would have said, let me tell you, I'm going to put the last hole in you if you put one more in. That was my generation. This generation, they just going out. They just, they got stuff. I don't even know how you think of this stuff. They got chains hanging from everywhere. They got holes in their earlobes like this big. I don't know what's going to happen when they get old. They'll be sagging down to here. It will get more spiritual throughout the month. I'm just trying to get your attention right now. Because you know what? You have to have grace when somebody looks different than you. You have to have grace when somebody dresses different than you. You have to have grace when somebody talks different than you. You have to have grace when somebody uses words you don't use. You have to have grace when somebody does something you don't do. Instead of looking at them, I would never do that. If I was them, I'd look back and say, no, and I wouldn't want you to because we'd be too much alike. Religious people always want people to conform to how they are and how they look. Grace people look and say, I'm going to leave that to God. My job is to love them. My job is to believe in them. My job is to encourage them. My job is to give hope. My job is to be there regardless of what I think about what they think. You're not Jesus Jr. We have too many Jesuses. I mean, I don't even know where they came up with his name, Jesus. Have a friend named Jesus. I just call him Jesus. I mean, what's the difference? I mean, it's just a different language, but that's how he spells it. He spells it just like Jesus. I changed my name. I don't want to be Jesus. Next time I see him, I'll ask him, how difficult is it to be Jesus, Jesus? I don't want that name, man. He gave it to me to use, not to, like, have on my birth certificate. That had to be freaky, the first mama that named her son Jesus, I mean, outside of Mary. Mary. 
have grace on me. I'm almost finished a full can of Red Bull. Yeah, I think I finished that. Next week, I'm going to go to, to, to Luke chapter 15. So I want you to read Luke 15 this week, and I want you to ponder it because it's an interesting story of, of, of the prodigal son and, and the father, obviously, in that story is God. And then, you know, humanity is the younger son and, and the older son both combined, showing the differences in a legalist son and, and a son of grace. And, and it's one of my favorite passages in the Bible because there are so many stories inside the story. And, and, you know, the older brother represents the religious and legalistic side and telling all the things, the great things he's done and how good a son he's been to the father. I've always been here working on the ranch. I've always fed and I've always done this. And he tells the father everything he's done. That's what religious people do. You know, I served in the church. I don't ever miss. I'm this, I'm that, I'm all that. Those are things we ought to do, but we do it from a pure heart, not a works heart where, where I'm going to impress somebody. So in the story, and I'll get to it next week in detail, but the reality is in the beginning here it says, and I'm going to read part of it to you, when the younger son who took his inheritance, now please understand, in Bible days, the oldest son was the heir to everything that the father had. He, and he had nothing to do with the birth order. He was born first. That was it. He, he wasn't better than the younger son or sons. He was just the first to be born. And so he automatically was the heir to everything the father had. So the younger son, I guess, this is my thought. I'm just pondering this and thinking, he's looking and going, if the older brother doesn't like me because we're very different, I'm a free spirit. He's a bound spirit. He's bound by his works and how good he is, and I'm a free spirit. I know the Father loves me, and I love the Father, but the brother's not going to treat me well when Dad dies, so I'm going to take my inheritance, and I'm going to go have some fun. So he does, and he runs out of money, and a famine comes, and things fall on hard times. And it says that he came to himself, and he said, How many hired servants of my father have enough food? And even food to spare, but I'm perishing, dying here of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Just make me like one of your hired servants. Please understand, there are two kinds of people. Those who think they're too bad for God and those who think they're too good and don't need God. They're polar opposites. One people say, you know, and I was the one that's so bad. I thought, there's no way God could ever use me, want me. I, there's no way. I'm just not that. I'm a type A. I mean, I, I just, I've always been that. I played quarterback in football, point guard in basketball, catcher in baseball. I ran track. I was, I was intense in everything I did. I, was, I just was intense, as you can tell. And so I thought in my life that even those things were not right. You know, you're, you, you run over people to get to your goal, your destiny. And that's what some people say. You know, real people just fight through everything. You know, you don't fight to get to your goal. You obey to get to your goal. Now, you fight the good fight, which is internal. That's the framework. That's the, the anatomy God is working on, the framework of your soul. You're not running over people. You're leading people to their destiny and their goal. That's what grace does. You don't run over people to get there. But in my mind, this was, so I was one of those. And then there are good people who think, I'm so good. God is so blessed to have me. You're just so wonderful, and you know it, and you make sure everybody else knows it. 
You never miss a Sunday. And you tell everybody, I used to, I got into that religious habit of praying at 6 a.m. every morning. And I was so good at it that I had to let everybody know it's what I did. And if they didn't, I made them, I didn't tell them they were bad. I just made them feel bad. And I did it for the glory of God because after all, they needed me to do that. So their prayer life would be like mine. <laughs> that is so sick. And I was doing that. And I realized that, that if we can exhibit, demonstrate grace to everyone we meet, love to everyone we meet, even if we grossly disagree with them, it would change everything. It may take longer. It may seem fruitless. But I know it's the heartbeat of God. Ask yourself the right questions because that's where it begins. I've begun asking myself, why did I respond that way? Why did I have that conversation? What was going on inside me? Because I want, I want God to work on the anatomy inside my soul, the framework inside me, to where my response, my human response to human crisis, human failure, human difficulty, human stupidity, human wrong decisions, that my response would be like Jesus. Rather than criticizing Zacchaeus for being a thief tax collector, he not only calls him out of the tree, he calls him by name. We're going to your house to eat. The woman caught in the act of adultery, go and sin no more. The woman at the well shacking up, racking up, he just backed her up. She became the greatest evangelist of that day. She went and said, come and see a man who told me everything. What she was saying is, come and see a man who showed me grace that I didn't deserve. Church people throw rocks at people like that. You're such a terrible person. I would never be like you. No, you'd be worse than them. Because the fact that you're judging them for who they are makes you worse than them. That's just my opinion. I think I could support it by Scripture if I really wanted to, but I don't want to. I just want us to think about this a moment. How do you treat people? When they leave you, do they feel better having been around you or do they feel worse? You say, well, somebody's got to tell them the truth. No, somebody's got to show them the truth. Amen. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. When you begin to show them the truth instead of just telling them what they need to know, their life will be changed. That's actually what changed mine. There were two guys that knew everything about me, and they weren't even good friends, but they were good Christians. And every time they got around me, they treated me like I was a good Christian. And I wasn't even a Christian. But they treated me like they wanted to see me. And their treatment of me like they wanted to see me is what changed my life. It wasn't saying, Mark, don't do this, don't do that. You're a wretch, you're doing this, you know better than that. They never said that to me. They just put their arm around me, hugged me, and said, man, it's good to see you. They demonstrated grace to me on every turn, and it changed my life. I'm not saying you're endorsing. Some people say, well, I'm not going to endorse their sin. I'm not you're not enabling somebody. That's why Jesus went into all these homes and had conversations with all the wrong people that Pharisees wouldn't talk to, wouldn't spend time with. Jesus said, this is the way to the Father. Not through 600-plus laws that you've created because you couldn't keep the first 10 that I, I gave you. Somebody almost got happy. And it was on this side. I don't know what's going on over here. 
Folks, life doesn't have to be difficult. I told Susan this morning, I said, I just want to learn to trust God with everything in me. And I don't right now. But that's what I want to do. You said, what's your goal for 2022? I want to learn. And boy, when I, when I say that, it kind of scares me. Because <laughs> God always gives an opportunity. Don't ask God for patience. Because let me tell you, you'll be sitting in Virginia on I-95. Somebody in that crowd, I'd be getting out. Okay, which one of y'all prayed for patience? I'm hungry. I need to go to the bathroom. There ain't no place out here. <laughs> but I, I want to trust God. Because if I can trust God, which he's trustworthy, then everything, think about it. If you can trust God, everything will take care of itself. The people, the jobs, the marriage, the kids, everything you need, if you can just trust God, it's all going to happen because he'll never fail you. So I just gave you a goal for 2022. One word, trust. Because I can promise you there's not one of us in this place that trusts him with all of our heart, soul, mind, strength. And if you do... Please lay hands on me. Pray for me. Put my name on your refrigerator and call it out loud every time you go. And I know you visit it all the time. It's the most common place. Refrigerators wear out before anything else. I don't know that to be a fact, but it, it fit in. Because if I can trust that grace works, I'll have grace. If I can trust that love works, then I'll have love. If I trust that God will meet all my needs, then I'll give, and, and he'll give back good measure, pressed down. If I can trust, all the things that I need to happen in my life will happen because I will do everything he's told me to do. Okay, I'm done. Well, for this week. And this, this grace anatomy thing will happen pretty much throughout the whole month because I want us to get this because with every opportunity will come opposition and obstacles, and you're going to need the grace to deal with those. So I could do a, a vision series. I could do prayer and fasting series. I could do all those things, and those would be good. But to me, at the crux, the core of everything that we need, we need grace. I need grace to work. I need grace to trust. I, I, need, I need all the grace. I need grace. You need grace. Experience grace. Let's pray. Father, Thanks for putting up with us. Better yet, thanks for celebrating us instead of just tolerating us. So, Lord, I pray for everyone watching online, everyone in-house. I pray, God, that you would extend to us not just grace for ourselves, but a grace that overflows into the lives of everyone that we come around. When people leave us, may they say, my life is better. My soul is better. My joy is more. My grace is greater. My love is full. With every head bowed, every eye closed, we never like to end a worship experience without giving people an opportunity to receive Jesus. So I'm going to pray a prayer. I want everyone to pray this, but those of you that pray this, for the first time to give your life to Jesus and say, I'm going to trust him. 
we want to stand with you. We want to pray with you, out loud with you, not make you stand alone. Pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for loving me so much that you sent your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. And I declare today I am saved. I am forgiven because of your grace. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or to recommit your life to Christ, I want to ask you to simply text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. 405-500-1310. Do that right now. It's very important that you make that statement because I'm telling you, the devil will come and tell you in five minutes from now when you blow up on somebody, tomorrow when you curse somebody, you're not saved. No, you're saved. But the sanctification process has just begun. That means the work of Christ beginning in you to to transform you, to change the anatomy of your soul will begin. So please don't quit. Continue the work. Continue to press. All right? Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Or join us online. God bless you.